It's easy to take incredible things for granted. Take flying. This year is the 120th anniversary of the first flight of Orville and Wilbur Wright barely flew above the sands of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. But a lot has happened since then, right? From one flight in North Carolina, now we have 30,000 flights a day across the United States. Unless, of course, a computer programmer uploads a wrong file and shuts down the whole uh, aircraft flying, right? But for many people, the marvel of flying has lost its luster. Each year, the American Consumer Customer Satisfaction Index polls thousands of travelers to try to get a snapshot of how happy they are with this particular industry. And out of the 43 industries that the ACS, um, ACSI uh, polls, airlines continuously rank at the very bottom, just above cable, television, and internet providers. And it's not without reason, right? I mean, we've all experienced cramped seating, lost luggage, canceled flights, mounting fees. I mean, what used to be fun is now often frustrating. But when our frustrations are sky high with the airlines, the best thing maybe to do is not ask for more regulations or demand a reform of the industry. Perhaps we need to pause for some perspective. Perhaps we need to step back and smell the jet fuel and remind ourselves we are flying at 550 miles an hour in a very safe aircraft. Life is pretty good. If the church were one of the industries that were surveyed by the American Consumer Satisfaction Index, where do you think we would stand? It's probably be easy to group it among uh, those that are on the list of, you know, like smartphones or golden doodles or the airline industries, you know, marvels which have lost its luster and whose satisfaction is sadly seriously low. I mean, take the church in Corinth. You know, the letter that is our uh, epistle lesson today could be subtitled, Christians Gone Wild. I mean, St. Paul is dealing with a church of, with serious dysfunctions. I mean, we have people who were fighting for power, who were abusing the sacrament, uh, people who were sleeping around, who were suing each other, false teachers, marriages that are messy. Paul is saying that, you know, this church is a complete mess. So if a satisfaction survey were handed among those people, it might come back that their satisfaction with the Church of Corinth might be just above the Department of Motor Vehicles and just below jury duty. The sad but sobering fact is that many churches are that way yet today. 
I mean, you look under the hood of any and every church, and you will see leaks and cracks, puddles of fluid, dirty filters, very low coolant. You'll hear thumps and rattles and ticks. The church is filled with people who are saved by, but yet still in desperate need of Jesus. St. Paul says that this church, Corinth, is not much different than churches today. There's a lot to be frustrated with. But as Billy Graham once quipped, he said, if you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll just make it imperfect. Pastor Paul, like any good pastor then, addresses these issues head on. Not to rub the people's noses in it, but to lift them out of their depths and set them back on the path of following Jesus. But the way he does it is very instructive and oftentimes overlooked. What he does before he lays down the law is that he tells the people, look, Even though these things are happening, I am still truly and deeply satisfied with what God is doing in your midst. St. Paul says, I give thanks to God always for you. Sometimes that's hard for a pastor to do. But St. Paul wanted to point out that despite the immorality, despite the gossip, despite the immaturity um, that was going on within this church, he is still overjoyed at the marvel that is this church. He says that This church is accomplishing things that no one but God could accomplish among you. C.K. Lewis, who is a well-known but often very crass comedian, um, lamented about the short-sightedness and apathy of American people. In one of his comedy routines, he goes, everything is amazing, but no one is happy, he says. You know, he says, take the cell phone example. We get frustrated with the cell phone because it doesn't immediately load the page that we tap on. He said, give it a second. It is going to space. Is the speed of light too slow for you? I mean, we've all experienced, you know, delayed flights, canceled flights, sitting on the tarmac for 30 or 40 minutes. But we need to remember that we are flying from New York to Los Angeles in a matter of hours, a trip that used to take three years on foot or a year and a half in a horse-drawn carriage. Let's remember that there is still reason to be satisfied with and in awe of the church. Despite the very real frustrations that we have, we are still flying at 550 miles an hour. Specifically, St. Paul says that the Corinthian church and us have reason to be Thankful, despite 
the troubles. For Paul, the church of Corinth was still a marvel for three reasons. They have grace, they have gifts, and they have a guarantee. And so do we. Let's start with grace. What makes a body of believers great is not the great things they have done, but the great mercy that God has shown to them. The primary reason Paul is overjoyed with the church of Corinth is because of the gift of grace and the flood of forgiveness that had washed over this church. He said, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. You see, the incredible promise of the gospel is that no matter how messed up we are before we meet Jesus, once we are connected to the work of the cross through baptism and through faith, we are adopted as sons and daughters and inheritors of his eternal kingdom. For us, even in the face of our battles, that should cause us to shake our head in grateful disbelief. We deserve death and destruction and instead are sentenced to life and love. Think about the depths from sin or despair from which God has lifted up people in the church. What past wrongs or what current problems that forgiveness has been spoken over prevents Satan from having any power among us. There is reason to celebrate, says Paul. God still works miracles of grace among his people. Then he talks about gifts. Not only did the Corinthian church have grace, they had gifts as well. St. Paul writes that the church, oops, the church is enriched in him in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are lack, not lacking in any gift. Sure, the church is made up of a ragtag bunch of broken believers. But the promise of God is that wherever he establishes his church, he will gift and equip them to be the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sure, the church of Corinth had trouble, but they were not without hope because they, like every other church, has been given a reservoir of gifts and talents that simply need to be unleashed and encouraged. Ascension has been given a wealth of gifts and talents. We have musical talents. We have people who care, people who encourage. We have people who are generous, not only with their money, but with their time. He's given us people with technical skills, 
leadership skills, management skills, business skills, accounting skills. We have people here who have repair skills, construction skills, remodeling skills, decorating skills. From day one, I have marveled at the collection of talent that God has gathered here at Ascension. Take note of those things. Keep your eye on those things because there's reason to be satisfied. And then finally, Paul talks about a guarantee. Paul is overjoyed with the church of Corinth, this struggling church of Corinth, because of the bright and glorious future guaranteed to each and every dysfunctional yet deeply loved church. Ultimately, Paul wrote that the church is waiting for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. You see, undergirding the life of each and every congregation is that despite the troubles, the end is not in doubt. Christ's mission doesn't depend on the church of Corinth getting its act together. Christ's mission doesn't depend on whether we get our act together. The security of the church is guaranteed because Jesus has promised that in the end, he will return, he will raise all people, he will judge, he will find his people faultless, and he will establish his kingdom. And until that time, he will keep the church alive. Think of that truth the next time you find yourself in a contentious voters meeting or board meeting or commission meeting or when a prominent member says, I'm out of here and I'm taking my pocketbook with me. Christ has guaranteed a good ending. The church will endure. There is reason to be satisfied. As I started off, you know, I said, it's easy to take uh, incredible things for granted. When it comes to the consumer satisfaction index, it seems that it's business travelers, not your average leisure traveler, who is the harshest critic of the airlines. I suppose that the closer you are to something, even something that is amazing, the easier it is to see the limitations, the flaws, the missed opportunities. The easier it is to see something that is marvelous as mundane and needing room for improvement. And yet... Despite its struggles, the church has a lot going for it. She, we, have reason to be satisfied, not because of what we bring to the table, but because of what God has done for her, then to her, and finally through her.
We are graced, we are gifted, and we have a guarantee. Sure, there's probably bags that need to be lost, but we are flying through the air at 550 miles an hour. That's pretty incredible. 